Why did the elephant get rejected for a job? No idea. His qualifications were completely irrelevant. Boom. I mean, you can't see my face, but... (laughs) If only you could see your face on the podcast. (laughs) This week, we're talking to Josh Withers, founder and general manager at TrueSearch, a global talent and recruiting company. I've known Josh since 2012, and the search industry has changed a lot since Josh entered the game. Like most things, it's changed a lot in the last six months, too. Talk about it all, from how the tech industry and search is on fire right now, all the way to hiring with remote teams, and how companies are very quickly adapting. And also, to the industry's focus on diversity, and what True is doing on their end to make diversity a central element in every one of their searches. We also get a lot of advice from Josh along the way. Let's get into it. I remember sitting down with you and your partners, I think it was eight years ago, right as you, you know, there were probably six or seven of us in a conference room, right as you were starting this firm. And, you know, honestly, it's incredible to see all the success that you've had with True and how, how much is it's grown, how much it's grown. I'd like to ask you as you reflect on, on this success, what do you think some of the driving forces have been that it's enabled you to grow so much and so quickly? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I sort of reflect on this occasionally. I think it's, I think it's a number of things. I, you know, one, we were, and still are pretty focused on tech. And so just, just that alone gave us incredible tailwinds. Right. And so, you know, we, we can't take all the credit for the growth because certainly that industry was booming, um, you know, all throughout our our career uh, at True so far, and even right now, uh, we're experiencing a huge upswing in activity. You know, kind of post, you know, people getting um, used to these shutdowns and things. And I can speak to that if you want later. But so that that was definitely part of it. But uh, aside from that, there was a couple of things we did early on that I think were pretty different. So one, we launched what is now called Thrive, which is basically a you know tool for us to track who we're talking to, but also show clients who we're talking to and who we're going yeah. after. Yeah. Um, and just giving full transparency into our process. It's like opening up your, you know, your CRM or whatever and saying, like, here's the funnel and here's what's happening in the funnel. Um, and and most firms just didn't do that. Right. And so now, even though you can buy our software, you can buy competitive software, you can build your own. I, I mean, which is incredible. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but Thrive has become a, an incredible business just in its own right. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a a real SaaS business that, you know, it's on it. It's kind of a standalone business at this point. We have corporate customers. I don't know if I could talk about all of them, but, um, you know, some, some large name brand household companies use it in their executive search teams. Um, and then a, a variety of private equity and venture firms. And then even some of our direct competitors use it. Um, and our, our feeling on that was, you know, the industry is going to move forward in this way. And we would rather have them buy our software than somebody else's. And, and it also just helps that software just get better, not only for the industry, but for us, because, you know, they come with new ideas and new feature requests and things like that. So, so, so that's been, that's been fun to kind of see that journey um, and also see a software company being built um, because we help software companies all the time, or at least I do. That's, that's my specialty. So it was really interesting to kind of like walk the walk a little bit, right? But that was like that was pretty new at the time, and was a big differentiator for us early. Um, and even now, like the the firms that have sort of bolted this on, it's not like 
it's core to their like DNA or philosophy to be like completely transparent and, and candid on what's going on. So I, I think, you know, some firms were like reluctantly pulled into it, frankly. And, and we, we sort of had that sensibility from the beginning. So that kind of consultative open piece was, was definitely a part of it. I, I think also we've never focused on BD or sales revenue. We just never have. We, we still don't. We don't have quotas for our teams. You know, we, um, we, we do measure client satisfaction. We measure candidate satisfaction. We measure the team that you're working with, their satisfaction, both down, sideways, up, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, our whole thing is like, if, you're, if your clients like you, your candidates like you, and your team likes you, you're probably going to have plenty of work. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's borne out, right? Most of the people that are here have built more than they've ever built anywhere else, even though we don't have quotas, right? Um, so, th- so that's another piece. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> that definitely became an attractive point. There's some other pieces about our culture um, that I think are also attractive, but we were sort of like adding clients and then adding people and then adding clients and adding people. And then as, as the sort of word got out on both fronts that we were here, we were doing something different we, it kind of snowballed and, and we just scaled quickly. So, you know, across the different business units and everything else that we're doing, I think we're, you know, around 340, 350 people, something like that. The bulk of it will be on the recruiting side. Um, so, you know, we just passed, um, we're the seventh largest search firm in the U S at this point. Um, I don't really know the global numbers, but we're more of an emerging player there. Um, but yeah, it's been quite a ride. Yeah, that's great. I, you know, I think I'd love to, maybe just take a pause for a second. You guys have become so so big in our industry. I think I forget for a second that some of our listeners might not might not know who True is, but you know, sure. you have 14 offices around the world. You know, maybe you could take a second and tell us a little bit more about, you know, what is True today? What do you guys really specialize in? So, you know, when we started, we as I mentioned earlier, we were really focused on tech. Um, and I think to some degree that's still true. Like the bulk of our work will be with um, kind of peer play tech companies, whether it's B two B or consumer. Um, that said, we've also expanded quite a bit into areas where maybe they're tech enabled, either services or um, you know consumer companies. And really, what we've done is is set ourselves up as the firm that you can go to when you need a a, a growth executive. You know, someone who can kind of take you to the next level. Whether it's a a seed company or a public company, if you need someone that can really change sort of the, the, the fate of sort of what that function is doing or what the business is doing, bring some innovation, bring some scale. That's really our sweet spot. Yeah. You know, where, where we're not great is like the maintenance mode exec for the fortune 50. Like that's just not us. Right. Um, there's plenty of firms that do that, or maybe not plenty. There's a few, you know, four or five big mm-hmm. ones, but, but we know sort of the innovative growth people just cause that's what we've been doing this whole time. And so it doesn't matter if it's an old line world, you know, business that's coming to the new world and wants to digitize or whatever, or if it's like digitally native, you know, that that's sort of our wheelhouse and our network. You know, we've so we've grown geographically, as you mentioned. So, um, pretty strong coverage here in the U.S. And you know, we o- operate in kind of any state that that needs us. With you know, the the kind of key or bulk of the offices being on the coast, and then internationally, uh, we're pretty um, good size in Europe at this point. Um, so, the main offices are London, Berlin, and Stockholm. Uh, and then in uh, and then I'm probably going to even miss some offices. And then Asia Pac, so Australia and Singapore are growing nicely. The client base sort of looks very similar to what it does here in the U.S., right? What I kind of just mentioned. The other thing that's happened um, in terms of what we do and, and how we help 
Uh, one, one way to think about it is just from a functional perspective. So mm-hmm. most of the work we do is kind of CEO and board and then the direct reports into CEOs. So that will be, you know, we have a, a team that specializes in go-to-market. So sales, marketing, customer success. Yeah. Uh, we have a team that specializes in what we call PDT, uh, product data technology. That's your VPs of Eng, product management, CTOs, things like that. Um, we have a CFO team that does all kind of financial officers. We have a people and talent and legal team, which is heads of people, human resources, talent acquisition, uh, legal, you know, general counsel, um, and then the CEO and board practice, of course. Um, and then from there, you know, we will do some second line or third line work with with larger companies. But if it's a startup, it, it tends to be kind of like head of like VP level and up. There, there's been an incredible amount of growth. What have been some of the challenges from from this growth? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's not unlike a lot of our clients. You know, one is just operationally keeping all the systems in place and the training in place that that you need to sustain it and things break along the way and you need to kind of redo it, right? And culture is the same way, right? Like we we sort of prided ourselves on having a little bit of a, a different or unique culture for the search industry. And so how do you how do you maintain that, right? Um, so it was just an active kind of focus of ours, you know, constantly talking about it, being very thorough in interviewing and vetting processes. Um, we didn't always get it right, but I think we've learned along the way how to try to um, kind of keep closer to it and, or ensure that we're we're staying on the right track. We've al- also hired like some really killer like operational people across, you know, mm-hmm. marketing and finance and training and recruiting and things like that for our internal stuff where you know, the founding team, myself included, we don't really have to like focus on that much because we have, it's in very capable hands and, you know, I still do recruiting myself. Right. Those are, those are probably the hardest things. Um, and you know, we're, we're still to, to some degree struggling with them. We, we are also like a, a very, we try new things kind of place. So I, I sort of joke with people when I'm interviewing, I don't, I don't really mean this, but I think it speaks to the point. I basically say like, if, if you're the type of person that eats the same turkey sandwich from the same deli every day, we might not be for you. Um, cause we're constantly changing and trying new things. And so what that means is, you know, the minute you learn something, it's going to change. And so, you know, whether it's a system or policy or messaging or whatever. Um, and so, you know, like there's a certain level of, uh, adaptability or, uh, uh ambiguity that you have to be sort of, um, willing to accept here. <laughs> How would you describe what it is to be an executive recruiter? And why should your future clients, why should they think about hiring you versus maybe talking to their investors or, or you know, searching within their own network? So I think, you know, you should start with your own network. You should start with your investor's network. Um, absolutely. You can meet some great people through that. Um, they can help you know, if they know you and they know the culture, then, you know, some of those cultural fit questions I mentioned, mm-hmm. um, maybe, um, maybe you lessen the risk there because they is a sort of common DNA or understanding of, of who you are. That said, you know, the, an individual's network is limited, right? A lot of the people that, um, tend to get referred into entrepreneurs from a, a board network are people who, are already in great jobs or maybe don't want to go back to the early stage again. And so they're great as folks to bounce ideas off of and think about like, Hey, how am I going to build this company? What should this spec look like? How should I be thinking about this hire? Like those, those are all useful things, right? Outside of just, you know, finding someone that can come take your, your position. But once you get sort of one step removed from that, like immediate network, 
the the amount of risk you take on someone just goes up, right? There's less accountability because they're not like super tight in your network. There's less of a, a, a of a chance for cultural fit because they don't know each other as well, right? Um, and so, you know, figuring out a way to design a process, that's where it comes to being, bringing an outside recruiter, right? So we, we can work with you to figure out, is this the right spec? How's the market going to react to this? What are the challenges you're going to face? Um, what's the comp levels we should be thinking about? What are the trends on comp you should be thinking about? Yeah. You know, uh, what is a what does a good process look like? What are the what are the pitfalls of a process? How do we design it the right way to eliminate risk? How do you do back channel referencing and on sheet referencing? What's the difference? When do you do them? You know, how do you negotiate compensation? You know, there 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 are so many aspects of this. Um, and then just how do you cover the landscape of potential candidates in the right way? Like, should you only look in your domain? Should you look outside? What are the trade offs? Right? Do you look at a proven, uh, been there, done that exec, or do you look at an up and comer? What are the trade offs? What does that mean? How do you do the searches differently? A couple of the things that I always think about, also, including everything you said, which I think is critical, is two things that I think really, for me, are one of the reasons that I always like and recommend working with executive search firms, which is really helping the company understand what good looks like. And I think sometimes if especially for younger entrepreneurs or newer entrepreneurs that are looking in their network, if they haven't surveyed the market, there, there can be some uncertainty there, even if they make a hire um, of like what else was out there, right? And, and what does what great look like for our company right now? And then I think the other thing I always think about is quite honestly, just speed, speed to hire, right? Is that, you know, even if I ended, even if a company ends up hiring through their network, is it worth that taking, yeah. you know, three extra months, to, you know, or right. six extra months versus finding a great hire faster um, or getting, you know, getting to that decision more quickly. So th- those are some of the ways I always think about it too. Yeah. The, I mean, those are all, those are all spot on. Um, and to your point around like what good looks like, it's really interesting. I had this conversation the other day with, uh, with someone, I guess it was internally, but oh no, it was, uh, it was an investor in a, in a business where we just placed someone, you know, my, my sort of comment was their, their bar was too low when we were going through the pitch process and they were kind of sharing profiles they liked, we knew that we were going to crush that search because we knew we can get better for them than what they thought they can get for themselves. Yeah. And that's what happened. So that, that actually happens like a fair amount, um, where we're, we, we sort of see some of the calibration candidates that they're speaking to and we're like, Oh, okay, well this is, this is easy to make them happy. Right. (laughs) And then in other cases, it's sort of the reverse. It's like, for whatever reason, what they want is just too aggressive, right? Like, I'm not going to name names, but I talked to a company the other day. And so it's pre-revenue. It's in a super niche like deep tech space. They don't like any of the other players out there because um, they don't think they, you know, have figured it out or solved it in the right way or whatever. Yeah. And a lot of the industry is not local to where the business is, but they still want a been there, done that CEO from the space, <laughs> right? And I'm like, that's not going to happen, you know. And uh, what you what you're gonna what you're gonna want to do is, you know, look at adjacent industries. I mean, you can look at the the domain certainly. Maybe there's some people there, but you want to. Are there adjacent industries we can look at? Uh, are there up and comer profiles we can look at that still solve a lot of the pain points? Because you know, frankly, uh, most of those proven execs aren't going to go take a pre revenue role. Um, this is a CEO role, and you know, like I, I'll probably lose that pitch, you know, because I was I was probably they they probably didn't love that. I think the clients I like to take on are the ones that go like 
actually like we can have some back and forth about it yeah. and and you know we can go test the waters together right i don't mind that like we can go s- lo- look at the proven people and see what they say i can tell you what they're you know mostly going to say but let's go find out if that's true but let's also look at these up and comers at the same time so that way we're not um finding ourselves 3 months later with zero traction right um we can do both you know i mean what would you say how, how much how much client education would you say is part of your job versus either the recruiting part of your job? Yeah, I mean, it it, it varies. Uh, I think if it's, you know, first-time founders, then a lot of times we are helping them through some of the basics of process. We we even help, you know, as asked, right? Like help the team interview, right? So what are some of the mm-hmm. questions they can be asking? How do you focus, right? Like, so sometimes what we do or what we see in interview processes is, you know, you'll have six or seven people on the on the interview panel, and they're all sort of asking the same questions and asking about like career history. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're you're not really getting to know the candidate that way, right? You're getting right. a surface level sort of introduction. But if we can utilize the strengths of those people to really drill in on the the areas that matter most to them and where they're deepest, and then we can kind of take the the holistic view across everything, and then we have a much clearer picture. So helping set up things like that. Or, you know, even just like, again, kind of going back to something earlier, but like how to, how to conduct back channels in the right way, back channel referencing, meaning, mm-hmm. you know, not references that were given by the candidate and, and doing that in a way that doesn't burn their confidentiality. Right. Um, and then setting up processes on the end. So we like to, um, do some sort of a, like a working session at the end, whether it's, a, a tackling a specific problem or it's, it's presenting a hundred day plan or whatever, it's kind of like a, bo- a mock board meeting, if you will, or an e-team meeting. Um, we like to do that at the end. It's usually anywhere from 90 minutes to three hours, depending That's on the role. That's part of the interview process. Usually it's like the finalists. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree with that more, by the way. That's what yeah. we, whenever we were hiring an executive, always the final step was that, you know, let's see your 100-day plan for this role. Right. And present it to the rest of the I mean, the interview panel, but essentially the executive team, since we're talking about executive hiring. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the shortcut that I think people make without using a firm like us is they don't do that. Right. They, they probably shortcut on references because, you know, they're busy, right? Like they got stuff to do. And, and if it was, if it was a person referred from their network, like they feel like, okay, that's good enough. And I don't have to go probe down. But like the reality is, is we get checks all the time on like, yeah, that person's a, a good human being, which is great, but are they good for your role, right? Like that's a different question, you know? And one person that's great for this company is not a great fit for this company, even if they're in the same space in the same stage, right? And so, you know, drilling in on those specifics, I think is important. So let's say you have an entrepreneur out there, future client, they're, they're convinced that they want to hire an executive search firm. What advice would you give to this this person on what are the questions that they should be asking before they hire a specific firm or as they're interviewing different firms? Definitely ask if they have sort of a, a job description that's been built, they should share it. Um, if they have any ideas of candidates that they like, they should share it. Um, that way they can get feedback on, does this, does this all line up with what you think we can attract? Right. What is your opinion on that? Right. Yeah. Um, and so in some cases, you know, you, you definitely want to have a firm that's aggressive and will overreach for you and, and call people that are, you know, ambitious, right? Um, but, you, you know, they hopefully they have a backup plan in case that doesn't work out as well. But, but, uh, but yeah, so get their opinion on, on the spec and the space. And then 
tell me the last, you know, five, six, 10 searches you've done that are similar and what the, what the results were. And can I call two or three of those references? If you do that, that's, that's a helpful check. But then, you know, you spend a, a cycle or two with them, you know, an hour, you know, two chunks of 45 minutes to really understand, you know, is this someone that you feel like you can partner with from a, just a chemistry standpoint, you know, like you're basically yep. going to be talking to these people at least once a week for three months or more. Yep. And so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a short-term uh, marriage, you know? And so you kind of have to, you kind of have to want to be with that person through that journey. I would say in every case, the, the hire that we're ma- that we're making here is an incredibly important one for the company. Correct. Yeah. You know, the, the feedback I get from entrepreneurs really centers around two things. I think the first is about costs, you know, and I would love to get your opinion on costs and how entrepreneurs should think about that. Some firms have equity components, others don't. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that I hear from entrepreneurs is, yeah, that firm seems great, but I'm just going to be with junior people anyway. And so I'm not even going to be speaking to the partner, so to speak, that I got recommended to, you know, what, what are your opinions on? on those two points of criticism that I hear from entrepreneurs. Yeah. I mean, so on the cost thing, um, it's, it's kind of, it goes back to a little bit about what we talked about. Like if you do it yourself and you waste an extra three months or you, you know, you, you hire the wrong person or someone that's not as good as you could have gotten, what, what is the sort of lost opportunity cost there in terms of your revenue and, um, valuation and things like that? Um, yeah, like at the end of the day, our, you know, a hundred K fee or 85 K fee or $150,000 fee, whatever may seem like a lot. But if you look at hopefully, right, what that person brings to the table in terms of upside is, is way beyond that. Right. So the, there's a multiplier effect that, that you should be getting with, with these types of hires. Um, so that, you know, look, they'll, they'll either buy into that or they won't, but like, that's the reality. Yeah. If, if you can place executives like that. Right. Um, and we've seen it time and time again with clients of ours that have gone on to be wildly successful where, um, you know, paying our fees was, was nothing dropping the bucket. Right. Um, even though at the time it might've felt, uh, painful. Right. And then on the, on the sort of more junior person side, basically in our industry, we refer to that as the bait and switch. Um, you know, Lewis, yeah, I'll totally do your search. By the way, here's this junior person that's now going to do your search. So, you know, ask the question. Who's going to be on this search team? What are their roles, right? Uh, if you ask those questions, if they're if they're if they're not truthful with you up front, and then they switch later, you know uh, that's obviously a bad look, and I'm sure that happens out there, right? I would I would hope and think that most of our comp- uh, competitors, um, who I think highly of, frankly, are are like core competitors. They they'll tell you the truth. And you may not like the answer, right? They may say, oh, well, we're going to have these other people and they're going to do this part and this person does that part. Um, but hopefully they're truthful with you. Y- you you want to know what you're getting to your point, right? So like I, I personally try to bring, if I'm going to bring, if I'm going to use a broader team, I try to bring them into the initial conversation. So that way everyone gets to know each other and we kind of know like, okay, this person has expertise here. And we, we are, we're more than happy to outline like, hey, this is what each person is doing in this effort. Um, so, so there aren't any surprises, but I do think it's an important question to ask, uh, alongside the other ones around like previous work references, that's that sort of thing. I want to, I want to shift to the trends you're seeing and, you know, we got some huge things going on in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. we've got COVID and global pandemic. We've got black lives matter protests and social unrest across the country, a huge focus in the entrepreneurial community around increasing diversity. We've got, Actually, tech companies thriving 
and hiring like crazy. I think actually some of the, you know, what I hear over and over again is some of the last couple months have been some of the busiest months ever for people. You know, what, what are you, what are you seeing out there? We just had our biggest month ever in the history of the firm. August. August. And I, and I think when I chatted with you a month ago, you told me July was the biggest month ever. In the I, history I think it was the, the second, I think it was the second <laughs> biggest movie, but like, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, that's crazy. It, yeah, it is. So, so I saw something. Yeah. No, thank you. I saw something. I didn't read it. So I, I, I can't, I can't claim to know what he said, but, uh, Byron Dieter from Bessemer, who's obviously super educated and kind of forward thinking on enterprise SaaS. Um, yes, I've worked with Bessemer and Byron. So, uh, a little bit of a plug, but um, he he talked about sort of the acceleration of cloud and how it's having its iPhone moment. Mm-hmm. I, I, I sort of I agree with that. I was I was trying to articulate it to my mom the other day, and I was I was, so you're gonna you pardon my terrible analogy here, Lewis, but if you go back to like the 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 time that cars were invented, what was that like the late 1800s or something like that? Yes. Um, like, but how many more years until cars were actually like a thing where everybody had them? Like another 60 plus years, 80 years? I don't know, a long time, right? Mm-hmm. What, what if a virus came along and killed all the horses right after cars were invented? Cars would have taken off faster, sure. <laughs> you know? Like that's yeah. what's happening. Like basically anything in person is, is, is in trouble right now. Yeah. And so the acceleration to the cloud has just happened so much faster in every industry. Healthcare, right? Like we have a healthcare team, like they're on fire, can't keep up. Our fintech team, financial services is all transitioning. There's no branches anymore, right? People don't want to do things physically. Um, yep. That's on fire, right? Um, not to mention infrastructure, security, like all that stuff. Um, and then even consumer, you know, obviously there's certain parts of consumer, like, you know, fashion, you know, people aren't dressing up, so they don't really buy as many clothes. Yep. But, you know, there's a lot of parts of, this, of, of consumer, especially in like media, gaming, entertainment that are just like on fire. And so I think, you know, basically it just completely accelerated moving into the digital and tech world. And that's where we focus. And so right. we're just getting inundated by even like old world brands that historically weren't even, you know, online. They're, they have to completely transform overnight and they don't know where to go. They're old yep. firms that they used to work with in manufacturing or utilities. They don't know what to do, right? Yep. Um, so it's firms like us that can help. Um, so that that's like that's the biggest thing we've seen. And it you know it, it feels weird to be that busy in the middle of this time, frankly. Yep. But you know we're 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 happy that it's the case. Of course, maybe to jump back to the remote experience we're having right now, I'd love to understand. I imagine there must be some really unique challenges in the search process. I mean. You know, these are such important roles for companies. And how are you, how are you giving advice to your clients? I mean, are clients like, okay, we're going to go through the process, but at the very end, I want to meet this person face to face or, or, or is that not happening? What are people doing right now? Yeah, it was, it's, it's evolved, you know, like in the first couple months, so, so we, we had a lot of searches go on hold because they're just like, I don't, we can't, we can't do this right now. You know, yep. then it was like, okay, month three, month four, it's like, well, you know, we, we still need this person. Like let's, let's fire yeah. back up. But like, and our business is growing. So right. we got to do this. Yeah, yeah. But like, how do we do it? And so then there was a lot of conversation around how do you do remote interviewing? How do you take some of these best practices and processes into a digital world? Yeah. And, and, and so we actually did a, a, a round table or, you know, a, a town hall, I guess, where we invited a bunch of talent partners. I, I had a few of them on a panel with me and we kind of, 
shared what we were saying and things we were recommending and had the audience participate as well. It was, it was, it was kind of a fun thing, but it was like super new and like everyone was talking about it. Right. And like one of the things that we were talking about was like, okay, like how do you spend enough uh, time with someone to get to know them um, from a cultural perspective? Cause you, you're not doing closing dinners. You're not doing, yeah. you know, lunches or whatever. You're not doing outings, you know? And so how, how do you do that? And, and so, you know, I had one client that, had uh they they had a zoom open-ended zoom conversation where they literally made dinner and had a bottle of wine while they were doing it right and they just talked and they and they sort of stated ahead of time like hey we're not really going to talk about business we just want to get to know each other as people again so this is for ceo search and and um they ended up hiring this person but um but yeah it was tough and so there's a lot of conversation around how to do this creative things to do etc and then it kind of tapered off. Like we don't get that question anymore. It, it it feels like people adapted super quickly. And also like, it also feels like there's not really like end in sight. So people are just like, it is what it is. We have to, we have to solve for it. We have to get used to it. Um, and so they've done that now, whether they're using different types of tech um, for video interviewing or whatever, you know, there's different tools out there. Um, I'm sure that's happening. And then, you know, to some degree in-person meetings are happening, um, but they tend to be, in people's backyards or on a hike or at a park or, um, occasionally in the, in an office because there's no one else in the office. So it's safe for two people to go do that if they want. Right. And I think, you know, we also take into account local laws and County laws. And so that gets tricky too. You know, I have a client in another state and I just, we had to brush up, like, what are the County laws? Like, is it okay for four people to be in an office together? Right. Cause some places it is, some places it isn't. Right. And so, you know, I, I think taking taking into account the the county laws, taking into account like some people's personal stance, you know, how conservative are they versus not? You know, I talked to a candidate the other day that um, the company itself is less conservative. So they have like 10% of the workforce coming back into the offices, which isn't a lot, but you know, percentage coming yeah. back. And this person was interviewing was like, look, I'm, I'm just not going to be comfortable with that anytime soon. So I'm going to withdraw from the process. They're too, they're more conservative or sort of less conservative than I am. And I don't think that we're matched, which is really interesting because you never had to think about your like COVID yeah. philosophy as like a, a checkpoint on a spec for something, you know? I mean, the world has changed. It's incredible. But, you know, to your point, people are adapting really quickly. Really quickly. Yeah. Well, I want to end with a final question, which is Josh today, if you could give advice to the younger Josh Withers before before you started True, you know, the other, the younger Josh Withers out there who are thinking maybe, you know, maybe they're already in executive search, but, you know, they're still working for that other firm, maybe thinking about, should I start my own firm? What advice would you give to those budding entrepreneurs? Well, just come here instead, but no. Uh, <laughs> uh, no I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll set you up. But um, no, I mean, I, I look at this, uh, this is sort of probably somewhat cliche, but I, I mean, I would give this to any, any person at any stage in any industry, but like, stay hungry, stay humble. You know, if, if, if you're constantly working, constantly learning and having low ego about it, knowing what you don't know, trying to fill the gaps and you're constantly doing that. Um, like I just look back, like, yeah, we've, we've grown quickly and, and we've crossed a lot of different gates along the way, but I sort of look back every two years and go, wow, like we didn't know anything two years ago, you know? <laughs> And I sort of feel like if you don't always feel that way, then you're kind of doing it wrong, you know? Josh, thanks so much for the time today. It's, it's awesome hearing all about the story and getting all your advice. I really appreciate it. It was really great. Thank you. Yeah, likewise. Enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, Lewis. 
For more on our conversation today, visit www.rocketplace.com slash podcast. We upload a new episode every week. So if you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to the Startup Stack in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to them. Thanks again for joining us. See you next week. The Startup Stack, written and edited by Hannah Levy, produced by Leah Jackson.